Nerds International proudly presents. What you are currently listening to is bonus content, and it will not affect the scheduling of your regular tabletop twats episodes. So please sit back and enjoy. Bonus, delicious bonus content. Bonus, ooh, bonus content. Bonus was like bonus content, and that means. Okay, so it looks like we're doing another one of these. Um, this is a continuation of a story that was sent in by our superfan Jeanette Gerard, and this was about Magda, who was her character in a Warhammer Third Edition game. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, then go back and listen to that because I was going to do some sort of previously thing, but I realised far too much that was relevant actually happened in the first episode. So go back, listen to the first episode if you haven't already, and then sit back. As before, this is going to be an audiobook type of experience. So it's just a nice one to sit back, relax, have a Jaffa cake, a cup of tea, and a crumpet on the go, and just enjoy it all right now this is Jeanette Girard's story Paul Magda the Silver Witch Summers part two read by me Harrison Hunt and written by Jeanette Girard where the story starts off is that the party were suspicious Magda might in fact be a witch um, for various reasons um, like I said if you haven't listened to the first part go back and do that now but the point is is that that's where we're starting off referring to Carl Miller's son, was in fact a very young wizard with the potential for immense power. Carsten was correct about that, about the only thing he would ever be right about. The child apparently was physically aware of their plot and took steps to protect Magda. When they searched Magda's room, they found the crude doll, and it didn't take Carsten long to determine it had power, that it was linked to the mind of the boy. The boy used this link to lure the men into the forest and was trying to trap them with an unnatural fog. Then Carsten, in his arrogance, chose to knowingly use the warp stone to push back the fog and continue his pursuit. He deserved every mutation he gained in that moment. I won't tell you of what occurred with the party while Magda slept quite peacefully, except they did find the boy and killed even more people who meant no harm. When dawn came and the mayor told where the others had gone, she tried to track them, fearing they would kill the boy if she wasn't there to stop them. Her tracking skills were dismal, and it wasn't until late afternoon she stumbled across them returning, carrying the unconscious boy. No sign of Carsten and refusing to say much about any of it. Magda stayed with them and in returning to the village insisted they place the boy in her room and in her bed. That was all that they had told her, that before Carsten left them, he had told them to make sure no harm had come to the boy. After she settled the boy, she went downstairs, still avoiding the others and had a meal. The others came into the study where she was eating alone and had food sent into them as well as strong drink. They boasted of their prowess in taking down a witch, and once they were fairly into their cups, she slipped the contents of the packets from Carmilla into their ale. Remember the mild poison that Magda picked up from Carmilla at their first meeting? Neither did the other players. Retiring for the night, she made a point of locking the door to her room. She had not yet fallen asleep when she heard whispering at her door and someone trying to open the lock. Irritated and tired, she stalked to the door and threw it open with Garth nearly falling into the room, a glowering Carsten behind him. 
Yet another argument ensued, and Magda could hear the child becoming restless in his sleep. She told the others to leave lest they wake him. Carsten persisted in lecturing her on not knowing what she was involved in, not knowing what the boy was, basically not knowing what he knew, or believed he knew. She told him she would not stand idly by while he murdered the child and his mother and Anya. He insisted she didn't understand. She demanded he try to explain. Now, the doll, unbeknownst to Magda, was capable of creating mind link between any two people who were both holding it. Carsten offered to show Magda what he knew this way. Magda was not sure what it involved, but desperate to understand and save the boy, agreed. She held the doll in her hands, sitting next to the boy. Carsten poured everything he knew of Carmilla, the boy, and Anya into Magda's poor, unprepared mind like a flood. Magda, in shock at the assault, curled into a ball on the bed and started screaming. The boy woke up and started to become angry, his anger pushing the others back, though not brutally enough for them to strike at him. Magda, in her hysterics, leapt to her feet and grabbed the nearest thing to hand, the lantern from the bedside table, and threw it at Carsten. The fact that the object was a lantern was a GM call. Then the other members of the party asked if it was lit. Since Magda hadn't yet gone to sleep, but was prepared to, she could not say. They decided on a roll of the dice, even not lit, odds lit. That was how Magda unintentionally said cast it on fire. came from downstairs. Several people had been found dead in the village. While the others paused, Magda packed up the boy and fled out the door, the others not far behind. She was able to evade them and flee, reaching the bottom of the staircase. She nearly tripped over the bleeding body of one of the maids. Dodging, she bolted through the kitchen. The others tried to follow, but as she went through the door, it slammed forcefully behind her and jammed. She did not notice. She fled to the home of a villager she had spoke with previously, and they let her in with the boy. The others weren't far behind, the dwarf busting through the door in front of her. No sign of Carsten or Garth. She drew her bow and begged the dwarf to hear her side of this. She had harmed no one, only wanted to take care of the boy. She still did not know they believed her to be a witch. Garth had circled the building, and seeing her with her bow drawn, appearing to threaten the dwarf, he fired his crossbow, and it passed through Magda's side from the back and struck the boy, critically injuring him. The dwarf indicated he would not kill her if she dropped the bow. She did, and dropped to aid the boy, remembering the healing draft she had found in Carmilla's cottage. She hastily dug one out and helped the semi-conscious child drink it. By this time, the entire village was up in arms. Several bodies of men had been found in the village, and when it was apparent Magda could not have done this, they were sent back to the inn under guard and escorted out of town the next morning. Magda and Carsten declared an uneasy truce because during the assault on her mind, Carsten did not find anything that supported his belief that she was a witch, and he could no longer detect the taint on her he had thought he had seen earlier. He promised not to destroy the boy, that he wanted only to take him to one of the schools where his magic could not be channeled by the wizards before he was taken by the demons that would destroy him. For her part, Magda agreed as long as the boy was near her, and none tried to interfere with her care for him. Zipf was an entirely uneventful, but Magda stayed away from any encounters and the dwarf seemed to be suffering from severe intestinal distress. 
The day of their return, Magda discovered Oswin was still there, but mindful of her promise to the young Baroness, she took the boy and went to her immediately with her reports of events. Of course, the others weren't far behind with their own versions and cast suspicion on Magda despite Carsten's knowledge she hadn't been a witch. During the journey back, Magda had been troubled by unusual dreams, but spoke of but spoke of them to no one. The Baroness was also troubled. Talk of witchcraft and the Empire was very serious, so she offered to allow Magda and the boy to stay at the mansion under her watch while the truth was sorted out. Magda accepted that, with a guarantee of their safety from the Baroness satisfying her. She saw to the boy's supper and settled him in the room they were assigned. After she was sure he was asleep, she slipped out the door and stopped briefly by the guard, whom she assured would be returning since the boy was still here. He had no orders to keep her prisoner, merely guard the door, so he let her pass. She made her way to the inn where Oswin was staying. She wanted to talk to him about leaving Zip as soon as possible. She found him there talking to Garth, and at her approach it was apparent that Garth's tale had made an impression on him. At first she approached him as if nothing had changed, but his response was one of suspicion and doubt, and this cut Magda to the core. She had travelled with Oswin many times, and he knew her, and if he could believe the tales of comparative strangers, she knew she had no one left to trust. In her hurt, she asked him if he truly believed these wicked lies about her being a witch. Not careful to keep her own voice down, unmindful of the whispers of the villagers that started at her words. Oswin's hesitation, his look of doubt, the twisted knife in her soul. She turned and stormed out in hurt and fury, not seeing any who approached. She did not see Carsten as she went through the door coming up the path, or his attempt to stop her. She did not see or feel the wave of force that rolled from her like a wave, throwing Carsten 50 feet back and badly shaking him. gathering together, she didn't see Carsten slip away from town. She dreamed. First she dreamed of the day her mother went back to the family estate, her infant brother in her arms, Magda only five by one hand. She dreamed of the white-haired old man who treated his mother with such contempt, and she dreamed of his words again. Take yourself and your spawn of chaos from my sight if you wish them to live. The dream changed. A horrifying apparition appeared to her, but she was not frightened. It seemed to make her an offer. She could save the boy and bring tremendous changes to the world if she agreed to serve him. She was doomed. Even now, her friends were bringing torches to burn her as a witch. Her innocence would not matter. This was the only way to save herself and the child. In her dreams, she murmured her acceptance. She did not see the sign of siege that appeared in the night sky over Zipf. What woke her from the dream, she could not say, but even here in the mansion, she could hear sounds of crowds gathering in the village. She felt a burning itch on her inner thigh and found there a tattoo-like mark she would recognize as the Eye of Zeech once her mind awakened a bit more. As her awareness increased, she realized she was no longer herself. Her entire body had been transformed, hardened as if turned to pure silver. 
On the mutation table when Magda made the deal with Chaos, she had to make two rolls. As luck would have it, she drew the silver body mutation, increasing her armor points by 10, and a second ear which appeared discreetly on the outside of her left breast. She also had to roll for powers, so she gained the ability to use her mind to create force to knock people back. She could also teleport 30 feet if she could see the spot she wanted to move to. coming from the village and the estate guards shouting to each other to man their posts. The boy woke up and gave her a questioning look. Magda stepped to the door and opened it, spotting the guards just outside. She asked him in a whisper what was happening. He shook his head, indicating he didn't know, and he moved down the hall to the top of the stairs to take a position that gave him a better view. Magda turned back to the room, an alarming sight. The boy had drawn a diagram on the floor and was murmuring over it. In his hand, he had a strange knife out of a metal that appeared almost black in the candlelight. He spoke to her mind, telling her to take the knife, and she reached out for it. It felt oddly cold and heavy in her hand, and she heard a different whisper in her head. And then the boy's voice again. It needs blood to help us. At first, Magda recoiled from what it seemed to ask, but the desperate, frightened look on the child's face compelled her to return to the door, and she slipped it open just a crack. The guard had returned to his position and turned when he heard the door open again. The knife was hidden in the folds of her dress. Magda put her fingers to her lips, indicating the child was sleeping. The guard moved closer to hear her, and she struck. Magda was still Magda, though, and could not bring herself to strike a killing blow on an unsuspecting innocent man. She gouged deep into his shoulder, disarming him, and pulled the knife free when his shout of pain drew the attention of a guard further down the hall. She fled back into the room, slamming and barring the door behind her, and then turning and handing the bloodied knife to the boy. He took it and moved his lips as if chanting something, and she could hear the other guard pounding on her door. The shouts now coming from the courtyard and the main gate. She stood poised between the door and the child. The child laid the knife in the centre of his diagram and stopped still. Magda couldn't see what was happening, but the screams and shouts of alarm increased, and suddenly she heard the guards at her door running down the hall to the top of the stairs. What Magda could see was two demons manifest near the window of her room, and they leapt out of the window. From the sounds coming from the hall and stairway, she realised others had appeared out there as well. She turned to look at the boy and he was slumped unconscious on the floor with the knife fallen limp in his hand. She grabbed the knife, her small bag and short bow which she slung over her shoulder and picked up the boy cradling him in her arms. She moved quietly to the door and peeked out. As she had thought, all the guards had run to the top of the stairs to whatever battle was happening there. Pausing to remember the way back to the stairs, she slipped quietly down the hall avoiding detection. But as she passed the intersection above the stairs, she could see the dwarf engaged with one of the things she had already seen. But not pausing to look closer, she fled down to the end of the hall where it turned left and took the stairs to the servants' quarters. She was so far undetected, but as she peeked into the kitchen looking for the rear exit, she was spotted by a maid. Magda threw back the hood on her cloak, and given the terror the maid could hear coming from the front of the mansion, she fell out of Magda's way in haste. She raced through the back door, but paused when she reached the corner of the mansion. It was about 50 feet to the wall, and she could see a gate towards the rear. She peered around the corner and saw nothing, and ran towards the barrier when she heard Carsten shout, Magda, stop! You can't escape! She turned and looked at him, saw him prepare to cast something at her, and without thinking how she did it, she found herself first on top of the wall, where she paused and looked at the sky for the first time and saw the eye of Zeech, the same as the mark that was on her thigh. 
Then she made a gesture unfamiliar to herself at the eye. Then, in a flash, was at a point she had spotted beyond the wall. She continued to run, but she heard Karsten raise a cry after her. And now, ahead, she saw the city gate, but guards in her path. She tried to dodge past them, but one struck at her. And as she raised the hand to ward off the blow, he severed her small finger with his sword. In fury, pain and fear, she pushed him with her arm and unleashed another wave of energy that threw the guard against the wall, breaking his neck. The delay had given Carsten time to close the gap and he shouted to her again. She paused too long and he unleashed a bolt of energy, but he did not strike Magda, instead striking the child in her arms directly in the temple. She felt the life go out of the child and screamed, another wave of energy throwing Carsten back. She laid the child down gently and fled to the gate, and now several attacks came at her from multiple directions. She staggered and felt another of Carsten's bolts strike her in the back. But the force also pushed her through the gate. He cast a spell trapping her in vines, but her panic and desire to be free, she looked at the river just mere yards ahead and found herself there. He fired another arrow at her and it hit, but she still kept going, but this time consciously focusing on the bank across the river and found herself there. Magda continued to flee on foot, not aware when the pursuit had stopped, but exhausted and collapsed in a wounded heap. In fact, if she had been hit again, it would have killed her. Magda would find a place to hide and heal, unaware that the amount of damage she had left behind was delaying efforts to hunt her down. Nor did she hear the new name they called her by, the Silver Witch. Or that every body in the Count, and for weeks to come, for every unexplained death for miles about would be placed on her doorstep. Now this is the story of what Magda saw and experienced that night. What she didn't see was that Carson had sent for the priest of Sigmar as soon as they arrived in Zip, that the villagers had formed a mob of about 50 to storm the mansion and take her for burning, and that the Baron's guard were caught between defending the mansion and then fighting off the pink horrors the boy called up. Once the two horrors leapt out of Magda's bedroom window, the fight on the ground was concentrated on them, and the timely arrival of the priest of Sigmar no doubt hastened by the appearance of the Eye of Zeech in the sky bought reinforcements. The priests, I believe, split between fighting the demons on the ground and four entered the mansion, encountering the two more on the staircase. The Garth had followed the priests in and the dwarf was fighting at the top of the staircase with the other guards, the net casualties of the battle. All eight priests of Sigmar were killed. 20 villagers were killed either by guards in the initial attempt to storm the mansion or by the demons on the ground. Six guardsmen were killed, two on the staircase, three on the ground, and one Magda killed as she tried to escape when she hit him with the force. And of course, the boy died. During the battle with the demons on the staircase, both the dwarf and Garth took blows that caused permanent mutations. Rolling for them, Garth drew spider limbs. This was a man who loathed witches and chaos. I think in his backstory, his mother had been burned as a witch. Unable to live with what he had become, he fell on his own knife. The dwarf's mutations were milder, permanent change to his skin colour. After this, Magda, now the Silver Witch, became an NPC and I rolled up a new character. A midwife and herbalist from Zip called in to help with the injuries in the aftermath and eventually joined the party in hunting Magda. There were no happy endings in Warhammer. So that's the end of the story. That was awesome. I mean, 
really, really cool. I, I like the fact that um, the player uh, character Magda eventually became a villain. I think that's so fucking cool. And that means that it would have such a build-up to all the characters and they would be so invested in trying to hunt her down and kill her. Uh, of course, if you, if any of you guys want to send in your stories and stuff and we can do the whole dramatic reading thing, we're, the bonus content isn't just going to be things like this. We're also going to do some live plays as well. In future, we will have um, sort of play sessions and things like that coming up. Um, we will have all sorts of different stuff on the bonus content, not just stories. But nonetheless, don't let it put you off from uh, sending us your stories. We want, we want funny ones, we want serious ones, all types of fucking stories. So send them in, because it's cool to be able to share it with people. Um, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening to Poor Magda by Jeanette Girard. And that is all. Chicken McBosh. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to Nerd Prime. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all Nerds International. With the hyphen. <laughs>